Welcome to the Jet Vent Podcast with your host Kane Mack. This is a special edition episode since the Jets are on the bye week this week. The top 50 most painful things the New York Jets have ever done to me as a fan. Now, I'm a younger fan, so I was born in 97. I've been enduring the suffering since 2002, all the way up until now and still going strong for the years to come. Uh, This team (laughs) has been an absolute disaster since the Johnsons took over in the late 90s. So this is kind of the culmination of so many years of ineptitude of ownership the Jets have been under. And it's certainly an interesting list to compile because originally I was only going to do 10. I ballooned it all the way up to 50. And shockingly, it wasn't that difficult to do. So please comment if you disagree or maybe I miss one out that maybe you thought should have made the list. So without further ado, let's get on to the list. Jets lose by a final score of 22-3, pushing their record to 0 and 11 and improving the Miami Dolphins record to 7 and 4. Let's just get the one thing just out of the way right away. Sam Darnold cannot be the starter in 2021 in the best case scenario of the season that they move out of the number 1 spot in the NFL draft. Um you know, you look at this game, 16-27, a buck 97, two picks. He hasn't thrown a p- touchdown pass since week three at Indy. First quarter, and that was in the first quarter, to Braxton Barrios. 19 consecutive quarters without a touchdown pass. So that's four consecutive games without a touchdown pass and the three quarters in Indianapolis. Which, by the way, in the second half in that game, he threw a pick six to an Indy defender. So I guess technically it can be a little less than that. But still, it's just so, so, so embarrassing. In in the last four games for Sam, he's got a combined 69 of 122, 680, and four interceptions. For the season, as it continues to get worse and worse for Sam, he has a 58 0.7% completion percentage, 1,242 yards, three touchdowns, and eight picks. And it's just, it's just so heartbreaking, man. I mean, you look at him from two years ago. I started watching some highlights from last year's Oakland game. I'm looking at the highlights from the first game against Detroit. You know, he, he has a lot of potential. He has a ton of potential. But the bottom line is this, and this is something that nobody can defend. Joe Flacco plays under the same system with the same head coach, with the same offensive line, with the same weapons that he had on Sunday. And you know what? He's played a million times better than Sam Donald. You want to see it? All right, let's go. The only thing that he has better than Joe Flacco is completion percentage. Uh, Sam has 57. Joe Flacco is 55. Both not very good, but whatever. 848 compared to 680 and six touchdowns compared to zero. And he has less picks than Sam. So uh, this, this is just, it's, the, it's, it's over. It's done. Watching that game Sunday, you cannot walk out of it thinking that Sam Darnold is the guy. You can't. You just can't. Oh, my God. And this dude can't stay healthy worth a damn. He can't play a full season. He missed three games in 2018's rookie season. He missed three games in 19 due to mono. And then this year he's lost four games due to shoulder injury. He is not the answer at quarterback. 
There cannot be any more excuses to this guy. You can't do it. He's done. No more maybes. Well, maybe if he has a better head coach. Maybe if he has a better offer. Maybe if he has all this. They can't be any more maybes. I want a certainty. And you know what that certainty is? Getting the number one overall pick and getting Trevor Lawrence. That's it. That's the only certainty of this whole thing. You cannot go into 2021 with Sam Donald as a starting quarterback. And I've wanted Sam to succeed in every single game he's played. That's the only reason why it's like, all right, if they pick up a couple of games and they get out of the number one pick, I'll be cool with it because then Sam would look like a decent player. But now it's just gotten past that. He cannot be the franchise quarterback. He just cannot be. He can't be the franchise quarterback. He isn't the franchise quarterback. And it's so sad. It's so bad because people, including myself, are like, man, you know, if he had a better head coach, if he had better ownership, if he had a better franchise to work with, maybe he could be a really good quarterback. But you know what? That just isn't the case. The C-plus prospect, um, he's really an A-plus prospect, but has been just direct, his entire career has been so derailed and he's regressed so much that he's basically like a C-plus prospect going into next season. You can't take a F minus franchise and plug in a C plus quarterback and succeed. You need the you need one dude to basically carry you to the to the promised land. That's it. Like you need a can't miss. And that's Trevor. And it's so scary. It is so scary to think about, man. The fact that the entire franchise, the entire present, future, everything rides on Trevor Lawrence. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, the only chance the Jets will ever win the Super Bowl in my lifetime is if this team gets this kid and this kid is as good as Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. That's it. It's really that scary, man. And you know what? It's almost like it is what it is at this point. Like, this dude needs to be the truth. And it's almost like it sucks because you see the right way to do things right on the other side of the football. You know, you have a good defense. I'm sorry, let's start at the top, right? Ownership hasn't been that great for the Dolphins, but man, they made an excellent hire. And Brian Flores is their head coach. And they've been really building a strong foundation over there. They have a ton of draft capital. They already have their franchise quarterback. And shoot, they have Houston's first-round pick that might be top 10 come uh, January. I'm sorry, the NFL draft is in April or May. So come April or May, they're going to have the possibility of a top 10 pick without tanking. That's awesome. You have also your the pick that they have. And, and, I mean, you have so much draft capital. You already have a lot of pieces that you already would want. Corners are strong. Defensive front, ah, the front seven's okay. They're pretty good. Could be improved. Maybe you need a, another offensive lineman on the back end here. On their offense, maybe. Because Eric Flowers shouldn't be starting a game for nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shouldn't be starting for nobody. And maybe needed a big time back. You know, I was talking to some Dolphin fans today on Twitter. And, and, you know, a couple of my friends are Dolphin fans. You know, hey, man, get a big time playmaker like Travis Etienne. 
and maybe another edge rusher like Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. That's two players that could possibly be Miami Dolphins come 2021. And it's just so scary. Like, I fear the Dolphins more than I do the Bills, man. I really do. Because you have a team that has their, their quarterback set. They have a lot of skill on the outside with Devontae Parker. They have a solid defense, solid head coach. And they're doing everything the right way. They really are. And they're doing things that I really didn't see them doing under a certain Adam Gase. And shoot, now you have Adam Gase as the Jets head coach. And it's like, oh man, should have saw this coming. And speaking of Adam Gase, is he calling the plays? Is he not calling the plays? Is Loggins calling the plays? Of course Adam Gase is calling the plays. You have to be an idiot if you believe this. Oh, well, we have a partnership between the offensive coordinator. He gives me three plays. No, stop your nonsense. You watch the game. You look at Loggins on the sideline. He doesn't have a play sheet. He doesn't have nothing. It looks like you, the past three or four games, where you just have your arms crossed and watching the game. Because that was all you were doing. Because Loggins was calling the plays. He had the play sheet in front of him. He's calling the plays. Now this week... Gase has the play sheet, and he's calling the plays. What are we talking about here? Oh, well, there was a collaboration. Uh, I can't give uh, you know anybody an advantage. What? <laughs> Any more advantages they already have? The Jets are terrible. Your team is garbage. You ain't winning nothing. And you're just standing there like we're a bunch of idiots, and that anything you say, we're going to believe. Are you kidding me, Adam Gase? You're calling the plays. It's not even... It drives me nuts. Oh, we're not... I'm not calling the plays. Really? You're really not calling the plays? Like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, you've gotta be kidding. Oh. Like... Like, I feel like he just tries to... Like, he thinks he's really, like, the smartest dude in the room. And he's just, you know, a snobby, you know, a kid that gets everything type guy. You know, and he's just smarter than everybody else. So whatever he says, everybody's going to believe. You ain't that. You ain't win nothing this year. You haven't really won anything ever as a head coach. Wow, you made the playoffs when you were with the Dolphins in your first year. And you rode... Peyton Manning all the way to the jet job right away, right? I mean, come on. Like, you're an idiot. I I saw something the other day that was really funny about Adam Gase. You know, remember, it's a one-year anniversary when Adam Gase took a break from spending Thanksgiving with his family or barely spent spent time with his family during Thanksgiving and was studying game film and he lost to the 0-11 bungles the next, that week. Oh my God. He's just such a clown. I mean, he's just, he's just clown shoes, man. I really can't, I really don't understand what the hell's going on, man. I really don't and I guess he's the right man for the job to get Trevor Lawrence, though, you know? Like, I think that's the only reason why he still has a job, and that's just to lose every game, be a jackass, and get fired at the end of the season. That's, that's, the, end of, that's the end game for Adam Gase. It really is. Uh, third thing on the agenda, and this was something really weird. Uh, why didn't Alex Lewis play the game? Like, we never really got 
any sort of clarification on Alex Lewis. And we need more information on that. I don't know why Eiflin was in the game. You know, Alex Lewis has been a pretty solid guard for the Jets, and there was some sort of team issue or whatever. Can't wait to be like something tragic or something, you know, that the Jets, you know, PR has been so known for these days that everything seems to be a disaster, including Manish, you know, like something stupid like that. Of course, it's been blown, uh, you know, blown up over these past week or two. You know, I can't wait for something like that. Like he, I don't know, got DUI or something or something crazy. I hope not. You know, I hope it was just like he was late for a meeting or something. But with the Jets, it's always like DEFCON 4. Or Def, is, is DEFCON 1 the worst? Or DEFCON like 6? I don't even know. But like, you know what I mean? It's always driven up to the extreme. It really is. And I and I hope that Alex was all right. I hope it was just like a missed meeting or something. Who cares? They're only in 11. Um, but this move made uh, Pat Eiflin, who the Jets claimed off from the Minnesota Vikings. Jeez, I need to speak this morning. But... Pat Eiflin was taken off uh, from waivers from the Minnesota Vikings. Played guard on Sunday. Didn't really notice him. So that's always a good sign. Always a good sign when you don't notice the offensive lineman, right? That's always good. Uh, Fant and Adogo were both hurt. So third string tackle. Connor McDermott started. And let's start off with this. You know, why not? I thought the offensive line played okay. Not going to kill you. You know, making some nice holes for Frank Gore. Sam still got hit a little bit, but you look at the big mistakes in these ga- in this game, those two interceptions that Sam threw. I mean, you're talking about a three-man rush on the second one. And the first one, let's start with the first one. The first one was just a bad decision on the run rolling out of the pocket. And the second one was a three-man rush where he just threw it right into the hands of a Dolphin defender. I mean, that's just horrible. And that was uh, Howard on that second interception, by the way. It leads the league in interceptions, by the way. And Sam was just bumping his stats up, apparently. And that iced the game. And the Dolphins got a couple first downs. And they took a couple knees. And that was the end of the game. Overall, in the offensive line, I thought that they played well. Not going to kill you. Not going to make you run to the, to the mountaintop screaming that they have a great offensive line. But... I thought they did good with what they got. <laughs> I thought they played okay. And that's sometimes, you know what? Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's enough, man. You know, on a good team, it's enough. But on the Jets, it's it's a disaster on offense. It really is. But in terms of these holes that were opening up, Frank Gore, 18 attempts, 74 yards, and he had three receptions for 12 yards. So he he looked good. Yay. Awesome. Phenomenal. You know, I, I I just hate the fact that a 37-year-old running back is the lead back on the Jets in 2020. And that P. Ryan's hurt, which sucks, but he should have been the lead back before he got hurt. And I don't know, give this guy Johnson a shot. Why not? I mean, you can't... Like, Frank Gore, there's no chance he's going to be on the Jets next season. Right? Like, there's no chance this dude is suiting up for for a final swan song in 2021, right? Like, he can't be on the Jets in 2021. There's no way. Please, 
God hope not. Hopefully P. Ryan is the dude that they want. You know, uh, uh, just please, P. Ryan, just show me something. Coaching staff, put him in the game. He seems like he's doing okay. Like he's making a nice cut or two, you know. Uh, there's a couple touchdowns this year. Give him the ball when he's healthy, please. Uh, you know, give Johnson a chance. Do something. And another big negative, I mean, Sergio. Oh, Sergio. Missing a 29-yard field goal in the half. Really? That's embarrassing, dude. That's really embarrassing. While we're on the negative train, <sighs> I mean, you had three drives set up for success in the second half, and you come away with no points. First one, they're on the Miami 45, three and out, punt. Second, Miami 25, fourth and one stuff with a freaking, uh, I mean, just a, a genius play call by running it up the middle of Frank Gore, real solid. That's really worked this entire freaking season. Real good job, Gase. Nice nice play call there, Chief. And then you had on the third, uh, third one, you get it on your own 42 and a first place sack. And then a th- they don't do anything with the ball and they punt it. So, I mean, that's just, it's wasting so much on this defense. And it just shows the ineptitude with the play calling and, and I don't know. No, I'm just, I, I'm just baffled by that, that they got no points from setting up on the Miami 45, the Miami 25, and their own 42. Zero points. Like, how does that happen? Like, you can't you can't do that by accident, right? Like, you gotta kick a field goal or something. And this is what I don't understand. Like, like I get it on the fourth down why they went for it. But if your game plan is to run it up the middle with Gore, just kick the field goal. Like like, your defense is playing great. You're going to get the ball back, right? Defense is playing outstanding. Like, kick the take the points. And then hope that your defense gets another stop, which they did on a nice three and out the next drive. And now you're playing with an opportunity to tie the game. Right? Like, if your game plan is to run up the middle, don't do that. Just take the points. And I know that Castillo missed a pretty chip shot field goal before. But he doesn't really do that. He's a pretty nice, solid kicker overall this year for the Jets. Just take take the points. Please. My God. My God, man. Now, I need to jump off this freaking negative town, right? Uh, Paraman looked looked good. Four receptions, seventy nine yards. Denzel Mims, four receptions, sixty seven yards. Seems to be like the a pretty nice pick by Joe Douglas in the second round this year of the NFL draft. I've been very happy with how he's been playing. Very solid receiver. Hopefully, he can develop into a one. You know, that's what the game plan is anyway for Mister Mims and. Hopefully, we'll be a favorite target of Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully. Please, God. 
please God be true. Get him. Get <laughs> get <laughs> Denzel Mims needs to be like his best friend. Like I want something like Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning or something, you know? Or like Gronkowski and Tom Brady. Like Trevor Lawrence, Denzel Mims. <laughs> uh, that's my hope anyway, right? Like that's anybody's hope at this point. Uh I, I just want to also um just have a mass appreciation just moment for this Jet defense. I was so impressed with how they played in the second half. You know, in the first half, it's almost like a bend-don't-break. You give up 13 points, not a lot of pass rush. Fitzpatrick's kind of moving the ball methodically down the field. Second half adjustments were made, and it showed. I mean, just look at these drives that Miami had. You're talking about five possessions for the Miami Dolphins, and they went as follows. Three and out, uh, including a sack by Quinn and Williams. One and done, a huge sack fumble by Hewitt, recovered by the Miami Dolphins. And then you had, you know, two first downs, and then a forced fumble by Quinn and Williams, uh, recovered by Lange. And then you had a one and fumble again, which was recovered by Neville Hewitt, forced by Jordan Jenkins. Turned all the way to the 25-yard line, and they don't do anything with the ball, obviously. And then the, the last one was a three and out. So, five possessions for the Dolphins, 23 plays, 68 yards. They had two three-and-outs. They give up four sacks, three forced fumbles, and two recovered by the Jets. That's outstanding defense. You know, any other team, they take advantage of this and get right back in the football game. But this is the Jets you're playing, so they don't score nothing. And it's really a shame because, man, these kids played hard. I mean, these guys were awesome. Fadu Kasi played outstanding. Six-round pick from 2018 from UConn. Four total tackles, a sack, and also had another half tackle for loss. That's awesome. Bryce Hall was not, you know, matches up against Devontae Parker for most of the game. Devontae Parker did have a big game, but a lot of his damage was done in the first half. And, no, I was really impressed by Bryce Hall. And a fifth-round pick, his first big matchup in the NFL – you know, I felt like he belonged out there. I felt like he held his own, even though the stats say differently. Like, you know, he's going up against one of the best receivers in football in a scheme that finally allowed him to play a little man-to-man coverage, not a lot of, you know, cover three or cover two. So that was nice to see. Or cover one. Nice to see. Nice to see for Bryce Hall. Ashton Davis started off the game by getting mossed by Gasicki. Rebounded and played well in the second half. Made a lot of key tackles. And just, you know, I didn't really notice him. When you don't notice the safety, he must be doing his job down the field. That's what you want. Um, Neville Hewitt, I mean, heart and soul of the Jet defense. He played like he wanted to be on the Jets next season, and that's all you want to see. Really getting to Fitzpatrick a lot in these, you know, blitzes by Greg Williams. Um, And I really felt like he had a very, very solid game for gang green and that's what you want to see and of course marcus may solid throughout which by the way if you want to compare the the two safeties right that we drafted back uh in 2017 marcus may is third out of 90 among safeties according to pro football focus jamal adams is 66th out of 90 the jets have got two first rounders out of jamal adams that's interesting that's really interesting Right? Isn't that cool? Speaking of another high-profile draft pick, Quentin Williams was is our J MVP. He was 
unbelievable. Seven total tackles, four solo, one and a half sacks, and two passes deflected. He was the man. I mean, he really, really was the man. And, uh, you know, I really thought that, you know, he's just blossoming in front of our eyes, man. First year was an adjustment year from the NCAA over the NFL, over to the NFL. And this year, he's just blossoming. I mean, he's been awesome. And it's been really, really cool to see. And uh, I really, I really just can't wait for 2021, you know, to see what we have. You know, if there's any more progression from this kid. And I believe there is. I mean, I, I just believe that it's going to be moving on up for Quinn Williams. Hopefully he gets that Pro Bowl nod that he oh so deserves. Uh, the GMVP is going to be Quinn Williams. Uh, I really felt like Miami played a poor game against the Jets and the defense took advantage of it for the most part. The offense didn't. That's just the bottom line. The offense for the Dolphins was in neutral the entire second half through this awesome Jet defense. I applaud their efforts, and I was really excited to see how they played. Also of note, Harvey Lange with eight total tackles, playing like a man possessed out there, playing as hard as he possibly can. Not a lot of skill, not going to jump out at you too much. Playing hard, man. He wants to be in the NFL, and that's really uh, commendable. You know, I, I enjoy players like that, and that's the type of players I want to see out there. So really nice effort from Lange. And in terms of the betting stuff, Miami covers a seven and a half. Of course, the under hits with the Jets only scoring three points. Miami improves to 74, like we said, at the top of the program. They're going to go on to play the Cincinnati Bungles. So they're probably going to be eight and four at the end of next week. The Jets are at home against Las Vegas, who got absolutely throttled by the Atlanta Falcons, 43 to six. So maybe that's something to look look at. I mean... That was almost like last year where they were very, very good and then they ran into a team and got obliterated. Like, the Jets blew them out last year and it wasn't even close. And, you know, I I just think that, you know, the Raiders just need to get over the hump a little bit and beat some bad teams. (laughs) And hopefully they continue that on Sunday as the Jets try to go on to have this number one pick here and go on to 0-12. Jaguars watch. They're going to be at Minnesota this week. The schedule goes as follows. Minnesota, Tennessee, Baltimore, Chicago, Indy. Hopefully they can just pick up a win. I need a little breathing room so I can actually root for this football team a little bit. Just just a smidge, right? You want to root for them a little bit, right? <laughs> just have a little bit of a win where it doesn't hurt their draft stock. That would be cool. You know? Please, Jaguars, just win a game. They're the best 1-10 in 10 team in history, according to Mike Francesa, so that's a big deal. Big, big deal there. All right, so that's going to do it for the JetVent Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter at KMAX72 and Parler at KaneMax, C-A-I-N-M-A-C-K 72, and just C-A-I-N-M-A-C-K out on Parler. Thank you so much for listening. Can't wait for Friday when we break down the Jets and Raiders. Uh, The week 13 preview will be out there on Friday. Enjoy the rest of the week, guys, and I'll talk to you guys later.